I didn't, wasn't quite sure, you know, as you're walking through uh, life, especially as a, as a leader, as a pastor, uh, sometimes God gives you information based on what he senses going on in the lives of believers. So as the shepherd, as the visionary, God will show me in the spirit what, 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 what is happening in the soil of, of the church. And that, that, that inner feeling, that inner urge, that inner connection with what he's doing guides me to a, a particular area of preaching, whether it's on patience or on tithing or on uh, boldness or on love, something that is happening that you don't even know is happening in somebody else's life. But quite often what I found is that as God leads me, we've got 50% uh, of our church maybe going through something like that. And so it touches everyone. Uh, but then there are other times when, like today, uh, he literally speaks to you out of what I am either going through or have gone through. So that the, 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 the subject, the, the text, the, the, the preaching is more personal than not. And that I have to be so transparent, quite often... Preachers tend to stay away from this kind of message because uh, there's a feeling that if folk know what you're going through too closely, uh, they will lose love or respect for you. Well, thank God I am far grown past that point, and I am not bothered. Uh, my humanity will show, and uh, hopefully prayerfully, you will be able to walk with me through it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me to the book of Romans. I'm going to read from two different texts this morning. The book of Romans chapter 7. I'm going to try to read it from the NIV if possible. I'm not sure. Normally, I read it from the New King James Version. But I'm going to pull it from the NIV, chapter 7, starting from verses 15 of Romans. We're going to read through verses 25, book of Romans. Hallelujah. Everyone ready? This is Paul speaking, Paul the Apostle, one of the, the greatest apostles of apostles in the word. From just the way he came to Christ and came to salvation to the things that God used him to do, changed the political system of his day, uh, worked in power through his life, did miracles through him, and also created, helped uh, to put down on paper some of the most important doctrinal truths for Christianity today. But in this Romans chapter 7, we're going to touch on something else about Paul that we don't hear about too much. Starting at verse 15. 
I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do not do the good, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law working in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God and God's law but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Go with me to Luke chapter 22, verses 29, 30, 31, and 32. Luke chapter 22, verses 29. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel or judging humanity Simon, Simon, and this will be the key verse of this passage. Satan has asked, he's desired, 
He has made it plain as day to me that he wants to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Please do. If I could give this sharing a topic this morning, I would call it, we live in this space. We live in this space. We live in this space. There's not much talked about the, the rubber band that we exist in. We hear a lot about if you seek the face of God and if you press into God and if you, you, you love God with all of your heart that, that, that you will be more than a conqueror. You're going you're to make it. And unintentionally, I'm hoping, quite often when we hear a message, the preacher inadvertently creates an impression that if you have enough of God in you, you will walk without being attacked by the adversary and literally slipping into sinful behavior sometimes. I am clearly saying that the Apostle Paul begs to differ. That we are walking this Christian faith out in a dichotomy. On one side, we've got competent faith. We've got believing God with all of our hearts, soul, and mind. Trusting God with everything in our being. Depending on God for our existence. And then on the very next hand, or next on the side of the equation, we are faced with the incompetence of our sinful behavior. We are faced with, with the, 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 the times under duress where we have to go to God over and over and over and over again for the same sin. How do we navigate this? Because there's another level that if you're doing too well in your faith and God allows us to walk in such constant victory that we tend to forget what it means to slip or fall. Inevitably, God's grace in allowing this to happen for us gives way to our own flesh, not the devil. As God allows us an extended period of victory, at some point, our flesh kicks in and says, boy, I did pretty good. 
Boy, I cannot believe it. But I am doing well. That I am, I'm right there on the cutting edge. I cannot believe that my hard work is paying off. And it has nothing to do with the devil. It has to do with the fact that our own sinful nature, that endemic nature, that has a seed in the history of Adam and Eve way back in the garden, decides on its own, since things are going so well and I feel successful on the inside, I'd better go ahead and build me some bigger barns. The devil doesn't have to do anything. So here we have on one side, we're fighting our nature, our natural want, desire to do things that are not of God. And then on the other side, to do things that are of God. And the rubber band keeps pulling. I want you to understand, first of all today, that as long as you are a Christian, the rubber band will continue to pull. Look at someone and tell them, until you die, you are not getting out of the rubber band. I'm hoping that that makes somebody humble if they have been beginning to puff themselves up a little bit. If you understand that, then you clearly get what David is saying in Psalm 63. I'm going to ask uh, my team to pull up Psalm 63. It's not a part of our, our presentation this morning, but I thought I'd like to, to add this to it. Psalm 63, 1. David saying, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. This is the NIV translation. Another translation says, Oh, God, you are my God. I seek you earnestly in a dry place. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longeth for thee in that dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Keep going. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Why? Stop right there. Why is he saying this? Because he is set the premise 
that their times he lives in a dry and thirsty place. You can't escape it. You can cry about it. You can fuss. You can get angry with all the folk. But there are times when your existence will have to be in a dry and thirsty place. And when that happens, you've got to be able to look at God and say what he said in verse 2. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, I know what you've done for me, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. I know where I'm standing. I know things are tough. I feel like there is no way out. But I'm going to declare today, tomorrow, and next week, my, your loving kindness is better than my life. Your loving kindness is better than my issue. Your loving kindness is better than my struggle. Your loving kindness is better than everything that I've been going through. I will not stop praising you. My lips are going to continue to praise you. So when I'm in a place of competence, spiritual competence, and things are going good, and I see sure victory, one after the, the other, before I could, I could settle in properly and really begin to enjoy myself, my own flesh kicks in and starts to press me in the area of pride and haughtiness. And then, when I'm feeling completely incompetent, when I'm feeling lost, when I'm walking in, through several incidents of emotional or spiritual defeat, I go to God in humility. I go to Him in servitude. I go to Him in repentance. And the adversary still does not want to miss an opportunity. So while we are being repentant and humble, he tries to push shame in there some. Do you understand why God said that David was his friend? Because at some point in his life, he figured out that the rubber band is not going to stop pulling on either side. That like Paul in Romans, the things that I really want to do are the things that I, I do. And the things that I, I really don't want to do, those are the things that I find myself doing. I want you to look at Romans 7 for me, and we're going to pull some points from that this morning that I want you to hold on to. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is leading me to share on this, this topic 
of we live in this space because as you are emerging into your harvest, as you are emerging into your hatching season, as you are emerging into breakthrough, things are going to come up that try to get you to look back. Things are going to come up in the midst of your victory <laughs> to try to tell you that what you're experiencing is just a taste of victory before you feel the crash of defeat. And when that happens, there's, a, there's something that you have to continually hold on to. Romans chapter 7. After he goes through all of the different angles of how he wants to do good and it can't, it just isn't happening. We get to verse 25, and in verse 25, it says, But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Remember several weeks ago I told us that you have got to make sure that your, your basket of worship and praise and thankfulness does not get a hole in it. Remember we talked about that? That whatever is going on if you can only keep your basket of praise, worship, and thanksgiving held open with no holes in it, that in the midst of an angry storm, God will put fish in your basket. In the midst of a dry desert place, God will put manna in your basket. Places where you are supposed to die will become places where you flourish. Hallelujah. Places where you are supposed to dry up and lose hope will become places where you feel euphoric happiness in God. And you will be able to say, when things are at their worst, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will lift up, Psalms 121, my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. Whatever is going on around me, he will keep me on solid ground. David went on to say that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, 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 now here's the dichotomy. Here's the dichotomy. 
in, 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 in 25, it says, it says, so then myself in my mind, am I a slave to God's law? You got to know that. You got to know that. If you do not continually put the word in your mind, if the word of God, it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel like anything is going on. It doesn't matter if it doesn't feel like you are turning into Superman or Superwoman. It doesn't matter if you are not feeling a sudden burst of energy from God. No, 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 no. The word of God. It's like amps to a battery. As the battery charges, the amperage goes up. But the car does not use all the amperage that you put into the battery as soon as you turn the ignition. So when you are over there thinking, feeling in your flesh that something spectacular should be going on, all your batteries really needed was a little bit of a jump. That almost of the amperage from the word of God that you continue to put into your mind is still there. It's still there. But you got to put it in there. You've got to keep your mind charged. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind. You got to have a mind that stayed. A mind that stayed. A mind that stayed. A mind that stayed. If you can make your mind stay on God and God's word. Make your mind speak God's promises in the midst of a tight place. Your nature. Look at it right here in 725. But in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. The rubber band is not going to go away. There will be a constant tug between your mind that you can put the word of God in and your sinful nature that you were born with. Somebody's watching me online, and you have been you've been feeling like giving up. Came across a story. This is uh, about three years ago now, about a young man, and, and it's caused us to change lots of the laws that we we count, do biblical counseling by. But there was a young man who was dealing with those pressures of feeling like a woman in a man's body. Had feelings, intense feelings of homosexuality. And he wanted to be a good church person, a good man of God. He wanted to be an authentic Christian. He went to a pastor, and this pastor very innocently, uh, back in the old days, if you're a pastor, uh, you, you just tell anybody that comes what the Word of God says, uh, and, and that was that. Today, because of this case, 
uh, if you are going to, if I am going to counsel anyone from a biblical point of view on any of these matters, uh, they, they, they press, our organization presses that, that we get the individual to sign a document saying, I'm not an expert in anything else. And if you come to me, I'm not going to give you anything else. That you come to my office understanding that my only advice will be from a biblical standpoint. The reason for that new document is because uh, that document was not in place when this young man went to his Christian pastor and said, I'm battling this feeling, these feelings of homosexuality. And I got one side telling me that I was born this way, and I got the other side telling me that God hates the, the behavior of homosexuality, and it's a spirit controlling me, and it needs to be cast out. And I don't know what to do because the rubber band keeps pulling. His pastor kept pressing the fact that this is what the Bible says, you have to stop. This is what the Bible says, you have to stop. This is what the Bible says, you have to stop. Well, listen, guys, there are some things that you ain't just going to be able to stop. There are some things that all God is watching you to see is what your heart's desire is, that you, that you do like Paul. You know you shouldn't do it, you do it, and the next minute you're crying and saying, God, I'm a wretched man. If you don't help me, I will not be helped. That God is looking for the repentance and the relationship before he looks for the transformation. That God is looking for the repentance and the relationship before he's looking for the transformation. That all the folks in church, you know them, you know who I'm talking about. Christian folk, they're looking for the transformation. Before the, 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 the repentance and relationship. That quite often, we want the person to repent of the sin. And if I see you doing it next week, you under the bus, son. That we have lost the fact that God, through his son Jesus Christ, has always been loving to us. That Jesus, more than anyone else, Mama Jefferson, understood the rubber band that you're doing things you don't want to do that your mind is not strong enough as yet because you haven't put enough of the word in it yet and because your spiritual resistance has not been built up enough you're still falling and Jesus has got patience with you. But a lot of Christian folk will put you under the bus. 
I think that's why he said to his disciples, I, I really don't want you to be judging lest you be judged yourself. If you can judge anyone, judge yourself first. If you can take something out of an eye, if you can pull the beam out of an eye, pull, pull it out of your eye first. If you're going to cast a stone, hit your own head first. Why? Because the rubber band does not stop. And the only thing you got going for you is the love of God and the grace of God. David said, my lips shall praise you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift up my hands in your name. Why? Because your loving kindness is better than life to me. Because your grace in my life supersedes even how I think. That if I were me, I would judge me. I would put me in jail. But you're not even me. You're better than me. We live in this space. 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 If we could only get this into the hearts of every believer, our churches would be full with sinners who are pressing in. Paul said, it is not, do not, do not, do not think for one minute that I have made it. That I have arrived. That I have gotten to the place where the rubber band is only on the God side. He said, but this one thing I do know. Forgetting those things that are behind me. And pressing into what God has in front of me. The goal he has for me as a believer. I press towards the mark. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I press towards the mark. I fail sometimes. Don't look to me for perfection. But you can depend that I will press. One of the last things my dad I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a church baby. I'm an AG child. My dad before me is Assemblies of God minister, ordained minister. He's assistant sep, general superintendent of the work in British Guyana. Over 3,000 churches there. And as I was growing up, I... So, you know, at a younger age, I just saw my dad as just the most awesome man in the world. But then as I got older, I started to see that rubber band. And there are things that he could not always do perfectly for me. His time was so limited. He tried to be a good pastor, but in being the best pastor possible, because there were only 24 hours in a day, quite often, his family was left lacking. 
He's always pulling, trying to balance the rubber band between spending quality time with us as his children and spending quality time with the sheep of the church. And at a certain age, I became very resentful because what I saw was a lot of the folk that he would spend his time on praying, crying with them, counseling them, telling them they couldn't make it, time away from the family and, and, and missing dinner while, while a one-hour meeting turns into three hours. I became resentful. I said, if this is what church and God means, if this is what it means to put God first and then God will take care of everything else, I want none of it. I was angry. I remember about four years before dad passed, we started to meet occasionally on a more regular basis for breakfast at the lamplighter here in Florence. It's me and him occasionally. And one morning I got the guts to, to just tell him. I said, Dad, I'm, I'm upset, man. I, I love God and everything, but I think you, you, you failed miserably. I needed a, my father, and you weren't there many times. I needed my father, and you weren't there. You were busy taking care of other people. And I just knew he would make excuses. But for the first time, I saw God working through my dad. He listened to me, hear all of that stuff on him. And you know what he said, son? You're right. I've tried, but I can't be perfect. And I'm sorry I wasn't perfect for you. But I'm your, I'm your dad, and you better know that if I could do it all over again, it may turn out the same way, but my heart for you it's filled with so much love and filled with so much pride in having you as a son that it would fill an entire ocean. I never forgot that because it was the very first time in my personal life that I began to see how clearly this rubber band pulls. That what you want to do, you find yourself not doing. And it's not always about sin. Sometimes it's just about someone like my dad spending time with me. That he wasn't doing anything bad when he met with folks and counseled with them. But while he was doing that, he wasn't spending time with me. He wasn't on the floor playing with me and my toys when I was younger. At a young age, my dad was, back in those days, when you were a minister, you had to always wear your white shirt. Like the Mormons, we talked about them now in the 20th century, but way back, I'm talking about AG missionaries. 
were an AG missionaries in, in the 60s and 50s and 40s in other countries, those are part of your requirement. But my dad always had a white shirt on for the most part. Every young picture he took, he had a white shirt on. Guess what? When you're wearing a long sleeve white shirt in a country with 80 degree weather, you don't look for opportunities to roll on the ground with your kids. What am I saying this morning? You got to be able to thank God. Thank God. Thank God for sending his son Jesus to bring you into deliverance. He's going to deliver you if you call on the name of the Lord. Alfredo, he's going to deliver you from people. He's going to deliver you from people. He's going, to, he's going to deliver you from criticism. He's going to deliver you from judgment. He's going to deliver you, period. Because all he wants to see is a heart that says, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm struggling. I know I've messed up 76 times in this area. But today I'm standing to say, I press. I'm not going to stop pressing. I'm not going to stop pressing. I'm not going to stop calling on God for his help. I'm not going to stop saying, Father, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh, bless me now, Savior. I'm coming to you. I need you. I need you. I need you. In the midst of all of this, you thanking God, worshiping God for deliverance. Whenever it comes, you put in a, a time on God. Whenever it comes, Lord, I'm thanking you anyway. I'm worshiping you anyway. Because I understand that there's a, I'm living in this space. I'm, li I'm living in this space. And, and, and the rubber band is not going to shrink until I die. So in the meanwhile, I'm just going to keep pressing and calling on you for mercy and grace. I'm not going to beat myself up and walk in shame when I mess up. I told you about the past and then finish that story. That young man felt so much pressure from just that constant, you either do this or you're going to hell because of that. That one day his parents came home and he was in the call for him and he was not answering. They went to his room and he had hung himself uh, from the ceiling with his, one of his church ties. And in his letter to them, he said, I tried. I tried stopping. I tried not being this way. I went to the pastor and he says, you can't be this way and go to heaven. You need to stop. He said, I couldn't find my way. I couldn't find where do I stand when the rubber band keeps pulling exponentially 
on both sides. I wish there was somebody to tell him, it's not for me to judge you. That even as you struggle with this, here's what the word of God says, and I want you to take this and pray over it and read it every day. As many scriptures, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Get the word, because I can't change you. The rubber band will continue to pull. But if you can get enough of the word in you, at some point, it's going to pull more on the God and the worship side. And you will be able to take control and say, flesh, you will not control me. Mouth that likes to cuss, you will not control me. Anger and rage that I got from my father, I got it honest. You will not control me anymore. Lying tongue, everybody in my family lies. I got it honest. I will not be controlled anymore. Why? Because at some point, as I keep pressing into God, and I keep saying, Lord, it's not my mama, it's not my dad, it's not my brother or my sister. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It really, really touched me, and I'm coming in. When I read in Luke 22, says that Satan desires. Satan has come to me several times because his intention is to sift you like wheat. Do you understand when we talk about something being sifted like wheat, it's, it's the act of parsing, of pulling apart that you're taking the firmness out of anything and creating a more powdery substance. That the adversary wants to take you out of, out of your firm commitment to God. Wants to take you out of your, of your, 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 your undying love and worship and honor of God. And he wants to put your life in his strainer and shake it around and just sift everything God out of you. He desires to do that. Man, it touched me so deeply when I got to the part when he says to his disciples, but I have prayed for you. Something happened when for an instant, even though I've read it hundreds of times, this time when I read it, it just completely annihilated any worry, stress, pressure in me. When I realized that the God who gave his son, Jesus,
to die for my sin. The one who went to the cross of Calvary for my sin. The one that paid the price that no one else could pay for my wrongdoing is right now still praying for me. You got an issue this morning? Jesus is praying for you. You're not existing properly in the rubber band? And you feel like you're losing the fight? Jesus is praying for you. You feel like giving up? You feel like might be a young person here or someone online that everything on the negative side of the rubber band is telling you just go ahead and kill yourself and be done with it. Commit suicide. It's, it'd be easier. You won't have to worry about it anymore. Can I tell you, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. Release it for the umpteen time. I don't care how many times you've done it before. Release it again to God. And say, Lord, I'm repenting. And I'm releasing. Would you bow your heads with me? I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to. Would you stand with me? I need the oh I need thee <laughs> every hour I Come on, if you're living in that space, you're not you're not defeated. Everybody's living in that space. You just gotta keep falling forward when you fall. I need sing with me. It's one more time. Oh I need again the disciples asked you how many times should I forgive my brother who has done me wrong 
once, twice, seven times? And you said, no. What about 70 times seven? Whatever that number is, you've forgiven us more than that. And this morning, we thank you. Would you help me, church? Would you help me? Telling God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for not holding my mess against me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I need you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, every hour. I need you. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. Everyone bowing their heads, close your eyes. I don't even want to see. If you're here this morning and you, the adversary has caused you to feel shame and guilt. Shame and guilt doesn't bring you to repentance. you to repeat after me if you're here you're online with us and you understand what it means to be living in that space that dichotomy where sometimes you feel like you're on the mountaintop and other times you feel like you are you are chicken poop you just you just work nothing you can't get anything right can I can I tell you you're in the right place for a blessing. You're in the right place for a blessing. You're in the right place for breakthrough. You're in the right place for breakthrough. Would you, would you proclaim this with me? Dear Father, I come as your child. The blood has been applied. And I'm still messing up. Today I repent. For the umpteen time, see my heart, Lord, and wash me with your blood. Make me clean. Set me right again. And I will praise you. I will thank you. I will worship you. Always. Father, thank you for touching your people. Thank you for applying your blood to their lives. Thank you for washing us clean. Thank you for purging us. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for giving us new life, oh God. Let your glory come down. Let the assurance of our salvation be made clear in our spirits again. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 
in Jesus name in Jesus name if you are here and you have been as I said looking for a place to become home then I'm saying to you this ministry is good soil I encourage you to become a part of it Sir Jefferson will be right here and she will just get some basic information tell you when the class is you'll be able to get uh, what you need would you bow your heads with me as we close out Father I thank you for your grace and your goodness to us thank you for your patience and your empathy in our lives thank you for your goodness and mercy it continues to follow us all the days of our lives father we press into your word press into your promises we press into your goodness let it pass before us in the name of Jesus may the grace of God may the sweet communion of the Spirit may the love and embrace of the Savior descend upon each of you and bring you peace in Jesus name